0: Welcome back to Who's Talking. He's an artist of many talents, a Broadway star, an award-winning actor, a singer, and a fashion icon. And at age 53, he says he's going through a creative rebirth. You've had a few clunkers in recent years. You think? That's not perception, that's reality.
1: I'm feeling stronger than ever now in my
0: life. How would you rate yourself as a chef?
1: Why, I'm not doing that with you, Christopher Wilder.
0: Billy Porter, welcome. I am excited that, to sit down with you and delighted you agreed to do this.
1: I am excited, too. I'm humbled. I have grown up on you. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I'm just so thrilled. I'm really, really thrilled to be here.
0: Well, thank you. I want to start with your breakout role as Lola in the yes. 2013 Broadway hit Kinky Boots. And we're going to kick it off with you singing Raise You Up. Here we go.
1: Okay. You can let me raise you up. When you bubble bust, let me raise you
0: up. If you play rust, let me raise you up. One reviewer after that show opened in Chicago said that that kinky boots would do for you what Funny Girl did for Barbara Streisand. And in fact, you won. Uh, best lead actor in a musical. How did, at that point in your life, how did that recognition change your life?
1: Well, I have to say that originating the role of Lola in Kinky Boots was the original dream finally coming to fruition. You know, that was about 25 years plus into my career. It was everything. You know, I I got a Tony, I got a Grammy and everybody was finally paying attention. You know, finally, finally paying attention to me.
0: Well, let me, let's continue. And it opened a
1: lot of doors.
0: Let's, Let's continue on that because then three years ago, you win the Emmy for best actor in a drama for the show Pose. Yes. And here you are as Pray Tell, a fashion designer who goes back to your home in Pittsburgh to share some shattering news with your family. Here you are. I have AIDS.
1: I'm dying. I have been HIV positive for six years. And I didn't want to burden y'all until it became serious. I know that we've already been through so much. Mommy, I'm not trying to upset you. Uh And I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. Uh Mommy.
0: Mommy. What I find... You're affected watching that, aren't you? Yeah. Was that close... The real life,
1: yeah, you know, life imitates art. Um, when I got the call to audition for the show, I knew in my heart and in my spirit that I would get it, and I knew from the subject matter, um, that whatever the character was, I was ready to step into playing a role that could stand in proxy for me and my healing.
0: I want to talk about that because what I find so compelling and so powerful about your entire story is that you built your success out of so much pain.
1: Yeah. My art is my healer. Um, I write about it. The decisions I make for the kinds of jobs that I want to do are grounded in that. Um, Art saved my life and I've dedicated my life Um, to hopefully standing at the intersection of art as a healer for trauma.
0: Which brings us to your memoir, Unprotected, which is just out in paperback. And I want to read something from the prologue, the Mm -hmm. very first page Mm -hmm. of this book. You write, by the time I was five, It was all too clear that something was wrong with me. Everyone knew it, and I knew it too. Billy, what did you think was, quote, wrong with you? And how did the world let you know at the age of five?
1: Well, I didn't really have language for it. Um, In retrospect, it was my gayness. Um, In retrospect, I was a sissy. I grew up in the Pentecostal church. And my family saw that behavior and um, where they weren't happy with it. And like many of us queer kids, um, it's from fear, right? The behavior of our caregivers, they're scared. They fear for us. And...
0: But but in a way, it's even worse than that. I mean, it's not that, gee, he's going to have a tough life, and I'm sorry my son is going to have to go through this. Your mom thought it was a
1: sin. Yeah, not just my mom. Everybody around me thought it was a sin. Right. And still, many of them still do think it's a sin. You know, in our world and in our culture, it's, it's still that, which I find really, really unnerving. I want to
0: pick up on this because... <laughs> And I have to say, I almost cried at this point because then after feeling this tremendous, and you say you couldn't put it into words, this tremendous sense of being different, of being wrong, as you say, your mom marries your stepfather. And your stepfather seems to take you under his wing and Mm -hmm. he's going to protect you and he's going to teach you what it is to be a man until at the age of seven, he starts sexually abusing you. And I found that so painful because I thought, this little boy, seven-year-old Billy Porter, he just can't find a safe haven.
1: There was no safety for me. Um, I I was sent to a psychologist when I was five for a year, every Wednesday after kindergarten, uh, because of my sissiness. And at the end of that evaluation this man said in front of me, Billy's fine, you just need to get a man around the house who will teach him to be more of a man. So within a year my mother had met and married my stepfather and when the abuse started there was nothing violent about it. You know, people talk about grooming. I was very groomed. I felt very loved. I felt very seen. And because of what I had already gone through, my little seven-year-old mind thought, oh, well, these are my man lessons.
0: When he's abusing you.
1: I didn't know that it was abuse till I was 25 years old. I couldn't say the words that it was sexual abuse until I was in therapy at 25 years old. And my therapist said, that's sexual abuse. Five-year-old, seven-year-old's do not have sexual dalliances with grown men. That's not a thing. It's not right. You were not in control of it. I think there was also something about me that knew that the adults around me did not have the tools to protect me at the time. And so I was grown as far as I was concerned because I had to be. Um and so for years I experienced that because when I said I wanted to stop at 12 it stopped right so I experienced that as if I had control over it and that it was my choice
0: and of course it wasn't
1: no it wasn't
0: you think you found your safe space in the 90s when you get into theater but even there you say I was too black too gay, too much. In 1997, you release an album in which you play a traditional male <laughs> role. And
1: I love that you say which I play. I love it. Well, okay. I love it because it's is true. What,
0: well, okay. It's but true. this is what I was worried about. I was gonna say words and I wouldn't understand
1: No, it's absolutely true. Okay. Keep well, going. All right, let's
0: let's play. Because here you are in, in a video from the album. This is the song. <laughs> oh,
1: I love this so much. Show I can't me. even stand it.
0: Well, okay, now I can say it. You're playing a heterosexual, traditional RD man.
1: Yes, I am. Why did you make that? And I was good at it too. Let me just say that. Yes, you were. Because they made me feel like I wasn't, right? My queerness was the only thing that anybody was interested in. My voice was my savior for the entirety of my life until I got a record contract. Why did you make that video? Because that was the 90s. I really thought that the only way for me to be successful would be to play the game and do what they told me to do. And What came out of that and what changed the trajectory of my journey forever is that I did everything I was supposed to do. I did everything I was told to do. I was as straight as I could be. I sang the music that I was supposed to. I showed up in the way that I was supposed to and I failed anyway. And at the end of that journey, when it all imploded, I thought, there is nothing worse than failing as somebody else.
0: This is perfect, because I want to play a clip from your audiobook of Unprotected, where you really describe just this. Take a look.
1: I wanted to be famous because I thought that fame would bring me validation. Understanding, perhaps. Love, even. If I were on top of the charts, a household name on the cover of magazines, maybe the gay would fade away. Maybe my success could transcend my abominable sin.
0: That is so interesting and frankly, so screwed up. I mean, did did you really think that maybe with fame, maybe by playing the game, the gay would fade away? Yeah. Yeah. And you were made. to. I mean, you you felt the only way I can succeed is, as you say, playing a role.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting because I think about drama school. I think about, you know, this this trope that we all talk about. We have all these buzzwords now. Just be yourself. Just be authentic. Just get 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 get. And it's like, well. It's easy to be who you are when what you are is what's popular. You know, queerness just happens to have broken through in the world in a different way now. And I'm grateful that I've lived long enough to see the day and to live in this world right now.
0: I want to pick up on that, because out of all that, out of and, and, and then in 2007, I mean, it gets worse, you get diabetes. You you, uh, go bankrupt, you're diagnosed with HIV, and out of all that, you become the Billy Porter that we know today. And I wanna put up some videos and have you describe them. 2019. Okay. You go to the Golden Globes, and here you are, wearing a pink (laughs) Almost
1: knocking Elizabeth Moss out, because they were trying to rush me.
0: And then, There you are in a velvet gown at the Oscars a couple of months later. Yeah. And I got to say, you wear it well. Thank you wear you. it splendidly. If fashion, if we talk about fashion statements with those two things,
1: what were you saying? Be yourself, whatever that is be yourself. And for me it wasn't it, you know, it was so organic. Because I've always been a fashion person. I've always been queer. It's never been about wearing dresses or anything like that. But I knew from watching the ladies in show business that fashion was another way to express myself in the market, it's a business decision. I'm a businessman. And it's like, what would that look like? I knew when I got posed, I said, okay, I'm gonna be on red carpets. What am I gonna be? What is it gonna be? Because I'm not gonna just wear the penguin suit everywhere I go. I'm so bored with it. The cape idea, Randy Rom, you know, my stylist at the time, we came up with that. And it slayed everybody was talking about me the the New York Times you know we, there were parties that we had to go to the New York Times on on Sunday of the Golden Globes said you know at Golden Globes parties Billy Porter is the winner I was like okay all right like I thought fashion is a thing I You know, and people were saying, oh, you're going to go to the Oscars. You're going to be at the Oscars this year. It's like, I just got on a TV show. Why would I be at the Oscars? Ten days before, 12 days before I get a call to host the ABC red carpet pre-show. And I'm like, (gasps) what am I going to wear? Because this is the moment. And there I was sitting at the Christian Siriano show. And I saw, it was my first uh, fashion week. And I saw all the ladies walking down, the, you know, all shapes, all sizes, all colors. And I remembered at the fashion show thinking when I was in drama school, I, we would have Oscar parties. And flippantly, I would be like, I'm going to wear a gown. I'm not going to wear that penguin suit. I'm going to wear a gown to the Oscars. I'm going to just blow everybody's mind. And I, I say, you know, my life is in two parts. You know, B O A O, before Oscar and after Oscar. It changed everything.
0: Really? That's... It
1: changed everything.
0: Yeah. So the Oscars are in February, March. In May, at the Met Gala. Well, well I mean, you got to you, keep it going. I was going to say, here you are arriving as an Egyptian god, <laughs> yes. being born b- by a bunch of people, and there you are. Yes. What statement were you making there?
1: F y'all. I'm gonna do exactly what I want to do. Y'all have silenced me. Y'all have dismissed me. I've been ignored, I've been dismissed. I've been, you know, and it's like, she's here now and she ain't going nowhere, (laughs) right? It's like, it's redemption. Everything I said, everything I knew for all these decades was right. I was right.
0: And everything you were.
1: Yes. I am right. I am right.
0: After being told for all these years.
1: I was wrong. It is my queerness. I was told my queerness would be my liability from... Allies and haters alike. And it was for decades, until it wasn't..
0: So what do you want to say? Yes about LGBTQ issues in the year of 2022?
1: That's a really um, interesting question. Um, Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. Frederick Douglass said that over 200 years ago. And when I think about where we are now, not only in America, but in the world, there's this pushback, once again, to anything that is not the white male patriarchy. It's not new. It's been consistent in the world since the beginning of time. And we've been fighting and fighting And fighting. I've been fighting all my life.
0: But you feel that there is, because you've just talked about how your gayness has been redeemed and celebrated and embraced. But you're saying that you feel there's a pushback against that?
1: There is a severe pushback because, and this is me over the last few months trying to speak inside of the positive and encourage and inspire people. The change has already happened. Let me repeat that. The change has already happened. Look at me sitting here talking to you. Look at me as my authentic self. Look at this world. Look at these kids, these queer kids, these empowered. There are more who are empowered than ever before right? They're coming up with their own language. I'm not on any binary. It's not male or female. I'm me. This is scary for the other side, (laughs) right? But you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube.
0: Okay. What do you want to say about race in the year 2022? (laughs) Because the change clearly has not come there.
1: For me, you know, I frame it in terms of Barack Obama. I frame it in terms of the multiple black billionaires in this world who are consciously reaching back and speaking to our own community about what generational wealth is. That's not something that ever existed in our language, right? Mm -hmm. Barack Obama was never supposed to happen. That was never supposed to happen. Black people were never supposed to have wealth and, and circulate in the same circles as the wealthy white folks. But we are, there's not enough of us, but we are. And we're gonna keep doing that. And my life's mission is to make sure that we continue to move forward. You know, freedom is not linear. None of it is linear. Two steps forward, three steps back. Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. We can't get fatigued.
0: Got a couple of final questions for you. You have now won an Emmy, a Grammy, uh, a Tony. Two Tonys. Okay. Who's counting?
1: I'm just saying. (laughs) I'm just saying. Okay. But
0: my point is (laughs) that you need, you know where I'm going with this. You need an Oscar to pull (laughs) off the EGOT, Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, Tony, Grand Slam. Yes. Honestly. How important is that to you?
1: Um, that's a tough question. You know, I'm an artist first. And I will always be an artist whether I win awards or not. With that said, yeah, I want one. I'm not going to be one of those people that don't act like I, I, I want one. But not because of ego purposes. You know, I want one because when I get one, I get more power. The black queer boy gets more power in this industry. My platform expands. I get to get inside of something and continue to make a difference and continue to make a change because of the power that gives me.
0: Well, speaking of platforms, you are working right now on another album. Yes. And we're going to end this with a video of you singing Children. Here you are.
1: Awesome. You're not losing the fight. Love make it all right. that just you no
0: So what do children need to know about what time it
1: is? Children need to know that the validation comes from the inside out. Love yourself first. Work on that first. Because when we can love ourselves, then we walk through life with that power. And it teaches others how to love us back, how to treat us.
0: That seems like a good place to end this conversation. Billy, thank you.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much.
0: In addition to his new album, Billy Porter is set to star in several films and television shows. He's also been tapped to direct a new TV series about the queer teen experience, and he has just directed his first feature film. Perhaps that Oscar isn't too far off. Thanks for watching. Catch us every Sunday night on CNN and keep streaming anytime you want right here on HBO Max to find out who's talking next. When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number Smart Beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 Smart Bed is only $1,599. Save $300 for a limited time, only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Prices higher in Alaska and
1: Hawaii. Now streaming exclusively on Max, a new CNN Flash Talk about the album that has Nashville talking, Call Me Country.